Hi guys and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Carefree and Black Diaries podcast. I am the host and my name is Shakira. As always, if it's your first time here, if you've never heard my voice before, we welcome you to our Carefree family. Go ahead, tell your friends, your family, your cousin them down the street, tell them to listen to the podcast as well. And you can subscribe on whatever platform you're using to listen to this podcast on. So that way you will be notified every single time we have a new episode, which is every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Now, if you've been here before, if you're a regular, hey, how you doing? I hope you're having an amazing week so far. Thank you for coming back for a new episode. I'm trying to keep this short because we have a lot to get to this week. We have a lot to get to. So just like last week, I'm not going to do a separate carefree updates, but I did want to let you all know that for the scholarship, um, I told you all that I was giving four scholarships for $100 scholarships. So that's $400 to four different students. Well, I have two more sponsors. So one added an additional student. So that made it five students. And then a few minutes later, someone else hit me up, Talia out of Jacksonville. She hit me up and she said, I'm going to donate two more hundreds. So we have seven applicants that we are going to be choosing to get this money. Okay. And I know y'all need this money because I've been in college before and I've been in grad school before and everything helps. So apply to the scholarship. You can find all of the information on the Instagram page, which is at Carefree and Black Diaries. You can find it in the link in that bio. You can also find it on Twitter facebook you can find the scholarship information everywhere make sure i did want to let y'all know make sure that when you are emailing in your additional information so that is your picture a picture of yourself do not forget the picture some people have um sent in your proof of enrollment which is great but we need the picture too (laughs) so that when we announce the winners we have a picture of you to share on the social media pages so please submit your picture as well if you've already applied for the scholarship or your friend has applied you know someone who has applied tell them to go back make sure they send in the picture and proof of enrollment because if we don't have that it kind of disqualifies you from the application pool so make sure you do that and that's all I have to tell y'all before we get into this episode this is another one where you can watch so you can continue to listen on the podcast platforms that you're using right now or you can watch it on YouTube which is going to be linked in the podcast description I have a special guest his name is Cecil do I say that often do I say everyone is a special guest if so everyone is a special guest in my head in my heart I love all of these people um see so we went to school together um but this is an exciting episode I'm excited for you all to hear we're going to be talking about rejection we're going to be talking about post-grad life we're going to be talking about the intersection of being black and queer we're going to be talking about religion and spirituality relationships everything depression we have talked about it in this episode and we talked for so long we talked for almost two hours I believe so I had to split it up into two episodes so this is part one part two will be coming out on Thursday at 9 a.m so you don't want to miss part two because we just we talk about some good stuff and I think that you are going to find this episode both episodes extremely beneficial to you so I'm going to let you listen right after this break. Me and Cecil are going to come back, talk, chop it up, and I hope that you all enjoy. All right. I'll see you at the end of this episode. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, guys, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Carefree and Black Diaries podcast. As you all can see, we have a new guest here. This is Cecil Robinson, so I'm going to just kick everything off by reading you all his bio, and then we are going to get into the good stuff. So, 
hailing all the way from Crawfordville, Florida. (laughs) Cecil Robinson is a writer, a speaker, a communication professional, and aspiring social change agent. Having earned a BA in public relations, advertising, slash advertising, and a master's in strategic communication and leadership, Cecil is excited to begin his career with W2O as an account associate in Manhattan, New York. Y'all heard me right, Manhattan, New York. Prior to accepting his role with W2O, he worked for the Campaign for Southern Equality as a digital communication intern where he worked to secure lived and legal equality for all LGBTQ Southerners through storytelling and social media efforts. Ultimately, his aspirations are to continue combining his passions for all things PR and diversity and inclusion work in an effort to aid disenfranchised communities, reinforce positive representational images, and lastly, break down systemic barriers which affect the way minority community members navigate in the world. And that's what we love to hear, Cecil. (laughs) We love to hear it. We love to see it. Thank you. Thank you. We are happy to have you here, and I'm sure the listeners, after they start getting into this episode, they are going to agree with me. Um, So I wanted to have Cecil here because he wrote an article back in May of this year, um, and the title was, You Weren't Rejected, You Were Merely Redirected. And I read it, and you read me, okay? I was reading it, and it was reading me back. So I was like, wow, like, and I think I messaged you... I don't, maybe it may have been like two weeks later and I was like, I need to have you. Yes, I think it, I honestly, I want to say it was, I want to say it was maybe like either a week or maybe two weeks. But I remember getting it on Twitter. Yeah. I remember you being like, okay, so I need you to drop your schedule. Let's link schedules and we'll figure this out. <laughs> I was like, I, I, it wasn't that long because I was reading it and I was like, how does he know this about me? Like, how are we living the same life? So Cecil graduated his master's in December, and so did I. You all know that. And when I read the article, it was just like, it was just so just true and so honest. And I was so proud of him for being so transparent about your journey and your struggles. And so we're all about transparency here. We're all about like self-improvement, sharing the best of life and the worst of life at the same time. All of it. So I was like, we got to have you. So with quarantine and everything, it was kind of hard for me to work on like scheduling and stuff. But here we are. We're here now. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. Cecil, I was thinking earlier, you, okay, you all don't know, but Cecil and I went to the same school. That's how we met. You went in high school, right? No, so I so I joined my sister at Family DRS. I it was my eighth grade year. I think it was her eleventh grade year. Okay. Because we okay. had because I because I was still down in the Wakula County school system, and she had already left. Okay. And she, and she was like, "Okay, you need to come on. Like, just follow me. Like, you'll meet a whole bunch of new <laughs> friends." And I was like, "Crystal, no." I was like, "I don't want to leave everyone." I was like, "You know, we basically grew up in this small like." small town community and then she was like no like follow me to Tallahassee and I was like I don't know anybody in Tallahassee right so I came there eighth grade year and I actually only stayed at FAMU for like a year my eighth grade okay I was thinking about it earlier and I was like I don't think he was there in middle school I was like I feel like I was in high school and he was two grades behind me so I was right about that you were two grades behind me but you were in eighth grade okay okay I'm glad my memory served me right on that one because I was like I feel like I was in high school, but maybe he wasn't. So, okay, good. I was in 10th grade. Cecil was in eighth grade. So that is how we met you guys. And I tell them all the time, if they have been listening for a long time, I'm like, I went to an all black school. So Cecil can attest. I can attest. Honestly, listen, I came from a all white school system and then jumped from all white to all black. And that was the first time I had ever seen anybody else look like me. And I was like, this is different. (laughs) This is different. I was like, there are no white people. Like there's no white teachers. There's no white students. I'm like, even the cafeteria ladies are black. I'm like, you don't get that down here in Wakulla County. I'm like, everybody's white. (laughs) So it was, honestly, it was such, I really will say it was such like a culture shock just coming from the norm of 
And I was actually just talking to my parents about this of like, you know, walking through the, just walking through the halls of like my elementary and middle school and it's like randomly just being called a racial slur. Wow. Just because that was something that the kids were like, oh yeah, my parents told me that this was something that we can call each other. And I was like, I don't know what that is. But I remember one of my like middle school teachers, my, sev- my seventh grade teacher, because it was like right before I left um, to, to come to Family DRS, one of the students had called me a jigaboo. And at that time I was like, I didn't even know what a jigaboo was. So I was like, wait, what is that? And so I repeated it. And I had like this blank look on my face. And my teacher who was just like, short very petite little like white lady she was like cut her head and she was like don't you ever say that and I was like I'm just repeating what he just called me so right. I'm just trying to figure out what the term means and she was like no like don't you know like she was like no don't you know like she was like no like don't repeat it don't repeat it and I'm just sitting there like I don't know what it means and she was like it basically it means this and I'm like okay so how are you gonna reprimand him and she was like well, just take it as a, you know, as a learning experience. I'm like, okay, but this isn't the first time that I've heard this term used and other students have, you know, they've called me a slave. They called me their monkey. Like, it's just so many things. I'm like, okay, how many passes do we give these students if they're, these are supposed to be teachable moments, but we're just letting them slide. So as I was stating, it was definitely a culture shock and like coming to this, like institution or just academic setting where it was nothing but black excellence. Like you had black scholars, teachers, like my favorite teacher to this day, and I still keep in contact with him is Mr. Walker. (laughs) Mr. Walker is my go-to like mentor, support buddy, like any move that I make, I feel like I have to run it by him first. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Same, same, same. (laughs) And I never even, I never took his class. I never took his class. But everyone at the school, he knew your parents, your brothers and sisters, if you had them. Like, yeah. Mr. Walker is just like tea. Like, he's just tea. All of it. Yeah. He's the best. And like, it was so crazy. During, even during my high school graduation, he showed up there and he was like, hey, I can't support you. And like, he still keeps in contact. Like, literally, like I said, if I make, if I'm about to make a move, or if I'm about to make, any type of like monumental just like life change i'm like oh let me ask mr walker because i need him to read me if it's not gonna be right or if i need him to like amp me up if i'm not feeling 100 percent about it so he's just one of those people that like i can definitely say that coming from famu although i only spent a year there Mm -hmm. that was one of the best things that i could have like been given was that relationship that i built with him definitely and i feel like it's it's not impossible to get it with white teachers and professors, but it's definitely more common with black, you know, professors and teachers just because we relate to them. Like they know the struggle, they know the things that we have to yeah. go through. And he is listen, y'all. Y'all don't know Mr. Walker, but let me tell you, he will drop anything on his schedule to come and support you. If he mm-hmm. can make it, he will be there. He will be there, and then he will look the flyest in the room at that. We have to add the wardrobe. The wardrobe nonstop will be stepping on next. And I'm like, okay, first of all, the rest of us were coming in sweatpants. You came in, like, designer. you just like, yeah, I just pulled this out of the closet, something last minute. I'm like, sir, you brought labels. <laughs> we brought sweats. <laughs> Something's not adding up. <laughs> Mr. Walker taught me how to dress in high school. He taught me how to dress. When I was on the Royal Court, he was like, he taught me about my hair. We had our differences with the natural hair thing, but I think he got over it once I got to like 12th grade because at first he was like, you need to do something with your head, put it in a bun or something. And I was just like, well, no, it's just, you know, it grows like this. And he was like, do something to it. But clothes, <laughs> makeup, he was just like, everything and still is every time you see him I don't think I've ever seen Mr. Walker in just like a t-shirt like I've never seen him in just like a a t-shirt no and it was so funny so I actually went to one of the protests like maybe about a month or so ago and he happened to be working out in that same area and I saw him and even his workout clothes (laughs) nice I'm like 
how? <laughs> I'm like, give the rest of us a break. <laughs> right, just come on. Chance. I'm like, just give us a chance. I'm like, that's what we want. <laughs> You're out at a protest, sweating. You probably have on something comfortable, and here he is. Just, you know, him working out. He's like, yeah, you know, just found some stuff to work out in. I'm like, that's just not some stuff. <laughs> I'm like, that's an outfit. <laughs> so. I, I aspire. Yes. <laughs> I aspire. That's my level of, like, extra that I aspire to be. Yes. <laughs> So I wanted to have you here so we can really talk about um, rejection and how we deal with rejection and kind of the inevitability of it. Because as long as you're going to live somewhere down the line, you're going to face rejection. And like I said, I related to your story so much because I grew up basically getting everything that I strive for. You know, like honor roll, awards, principals list, you know, all of this stuff. And so once I reached a point in my life where I was told no, I was kind of like, what? Where did that at? Where did that at? Me no. So I was so happy to hear that you had that same feeling with it. And it can be really hard to deal with when you're so used to hearing yes for everything. So I jotted down some questions to ask you so we can just kind of get into that. And then at the end, we have questions from listeners that they sent in. So we'll do that at the end. Yes, yes. All right. So the first question, um, we both graduated in December with our master's and we both, even though you have a job right now, like mm-hmm. before that, we both struggle with finding a job post-grad. Um, so for me, I wanted to share a little bit about my story. I graduated in December. The school that I graduated from, Florida State University, they have a program called the Los Angeles Television Experience Program. And so my two years at FSU, I just knew in the back of my mind, I'm like, when I graduate, I'm going to get into this program. Like, it's no question about it. Like, I'm going to get into this program. Like, it's going to happen. Right. So, you know, I'm trying to manifest it and bring it to life, you know. So it comes and I submit the application. And I think they were like, we're going to let you all know in November. November comes, November goes. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) graduation is coming up next month. (laughs) I need a plan. So I'm like, okay, December comes, December goes, graduation comes and goes. And I'm like, I still haven't heard from them. So maybe I just didn't get it. So I just kind of like coached myself into being okay with that. And then in February, I'm at work. At this point, I was working as a secretary at a law firm. So I'm at work and I'm like filing some papers and stuff. And the email pops up on my phone and it's like, hey, congrats. Um for the Los Angeles television experience program, we're going to reach out to you guys in a few weeks to work on scheduling. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, like it's happening, even though it took months. And then March comes and it is the day of my Zoom interview, the day of my Zoom interview. I get to um, this office and I set the computer up and I'm like sitting there waiting. I think my meeting was at two like 148 comes and I get a message and they're like, Hey, we know your zoom is supposed to be in a few minutes, but there's this virus right now. So we're trying to figure out what's going to happen. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Because at this point it's like March. So like Mm -hmm. some people knew about COVID, but not everyone. So I'm like, what is going on? (laughs) And I'm like, really like another setback so it was really hard for me to come to terms with this not happening because it was supposed to happen in may i was supposed to fly out there in may and then just be working out there you know Mm -hmm. so i went through like this depression because i'm like i waited two years for something that i just knew was going to happen this was my plan this was what i felt was going to put my feet in the door and now i have to reconcile with the fact that it's not happening at least not now so that is my story so can you tell us a little bit about your story when dealing with like rejection and setbacks in your job search 
You ready? Yeah, yeah. we ready. <laughs> okay, so very similar to you, I graduated um, from the University of West Florida um, back in December with a master's in strategic communication and leadership. Very similar to you, I had all intentions of moving to New York, like I'm talking about right after graduation. Like I had already set up in my mind. I had already applied. I had been applying to jobs just cause I, I'm one of those people where I'm like, okay, graduation is approaching, but I want to have something already lined up at least four months in advance, just mm -hmm. so I can like calm my own worries about the future about what's about what's coming next. Because something about me is that I am very, I'm just, I'm, I'm just always anxious, but especially when it comes to like my, just like the security of my future, something about it just kind of just sets me off on my nerves. And so I had started applying to jobs, um, the, like, I want to say in August, because that's when I started working on my thesis or yeah, I started working on my thesis then. So I started looking into jobs, not really necessarily applying, but just kind of gathering research and looking into different like companies, organizations, and like what would necessarily align with my aspirations, whether they were career kind of driven, but also like what could that company or organization do in terms of fulfilling my, um, my like want to be a social change agent. It's like, when I say social change agent, I mean someone who was like actively like doing the work within that community or like a global level to ensure that there is like economic, um, you know, equality, that there is political equality, socioeconomic status based equality on like all facets and not just kind of like that performative, like, okay, like I kind of want to do this just because my company's doing it. Like, don't get me wrong, I love Nike. My dream is to live out in Portland, Oregon one day and just working from Nike headquarters. But I know that Nike is extremely performative when it comes to a lot of their allyship. And so something that I kind of struggle with is, you know, not necessarily just putting myself in a position for an organization or a job that, you know, would just be like, okay, hey, I just need to have something just so I can have something. Like I want something that feels like it's kind of pushing, giving fire to my purpose. Mm -hmm. um, so I started applying to jobs and there was this one job um, that I had met, I had met a connection through the LeGrant Foundation. So also shout out to you for posting on LeGrant Foundation because your boy got a scholarship. <laughs> and I was so proud of you. I was like. <laughs> so everybody also, please note the LeGrant Foundation every year, they're giving out money to undergrad and graduate students. Shameless plug, this is not an ad. I'm not being paid for this sponsored post, um, but definitely check into them because free money is their best money. Yeah. I connected with someone um, who we got to hear from during the LeGrant Foundation reception. So this individual was working um, for like a nonprofit agency that really focused on like social justice based issues. And they were looking for um, to, br or they were looking to bring on someone on the like communication forefront. So it was like combining that intersection of communication, but also social justice. And I was like, okay, God, like you basically are putting this in my lap. Like, why would I not get this job? And so I had really like established a pretty good relationship with this individual um, who was like, who was the director of communications over the organization. So I was like, oh, bet. Like, right. I'm in there. <laughs> I'm in there. Um, <laughs> and so I like kind of kept the conversation going with them. The relationship kind of continued to build. So then they messaged me. It was like, hey, the job link, like here it is, apply. So I was like, okay, great. So I applied. Graduation was maybe like a few weeks you know, away, I want to say maybe like two or three weeks away. So I was like, okay, I have time. So I got it in. I had um, just completed my thesis at that moment, which um, was in regards to representation of television. Um, sorry, sorry. It was like representation of teen dramas and how it affects young adults between the ages of 18 and 24. So it was kind of looking at the parallel of how young adults look to television to kind of understand diverse populations based on like race and ethnicity, genders, and sexual orientation, and um, as well as how social status plays into how individuals, um, you know, really begin to pick up and put down these assumptions of diverse populations. So for example, like for someone who might see only um, 
like three or four characters of black women on television, they might only assume that black women act this way based solely on how they're being portrayed on television. Right. And that's how a lot of this implicit bias is kind of picked up. And so I kind of like use my thesis to kind of help push me into the like limelight for that job. And they were like, oh, wow, great. You know, like we'll call you back for an interview. So graduation was December 14th. I literally had packed up my apartment like prior to that. The next day, December 15th, my family and like my best friend, they, we all actually had like finished packing up my apartment. We drove to New Orleans and then from New Orleans, we spent the night in New Orleans and then got on a cruise and then we were gone for like a week. And so I was like, okay, like I should be getting an email like right as I get back. So I was like, you know what, God, this is perfect. Like I didn't graduate with honors. I like packed my apartment like this is you know like this is just kind of setting up the tone for like everything just kind of you know everything's really gonna push itself and so I'm sitting there and I'm waiting we get back so as soon as we like hit land I turn on my phone and my mom had already told me she was like stop checking your phone like what's meant to be will be and I was like okay girl I ain't trying to hear that <laughs> I'm like girl I ain't trying to hear that like you know <laughs> Right. Like, okay. Like, you know, I love you and everything. And, you know, I know that you were right, even when I don't want you to be right. But girl, get out of my face. <laughs> so I was like, okay, so this is what's going to happen. And so I checked the, I checked my phone and it came through me like an hour after we got back um, onto land. And so I looked at my phone, I saw the email and it was just like, hey, oh my gosh, like we loved your um, like application, yada, yada. And so I was like, okay, great, going down the line. And then it was like, thank you for applying, but we decided to go with another candidate. And I was like, that was rude. <laughs> I was like, that was rude. I was like, y'all just told me that from the beginning. But also it, I really, I really would say that it's just kind of during that moment, it hit me. Like, I think that was one of the, it wasn't the first time I had faced rejection, but that was the first time that I felt like I didn't know what was next. Because, similar, because you know, very similar to as you stated, school has always been this thing that I just knew was coming up next. Like, okay, the semester ended, but I have another semester. Right. Um, undergrad finishes, but I know I'm going to get my master's. Right. And, you know, and as slowly as time was kind of going on, I was like, okay, like, it's pretty soon my master's will be finished. And I know I want to go get my PhD, but I also know I really want to go make some money right now. So I was like, okay, so at some point, you know, I'll have to think about life without school. And I was like, okay, but that's not coming up anytime soon. Like, let me focus on the now. I'm living in the moment. And before I knew it, that my last fall semester, like, zoomed by. And I just kind of, I, honestly, I remember like being out one night with friends and I was kind of sitting there, I was sitting there because, you know, I lived in Pensacola. So we were so close to the beach. And so we we're all at the beach, you know, just like having like a bonfire on the beach. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, uh, my life is about to change. <laughs> like, I was like, my life is about to change dramatically or, or uh, drastically. And so I sat there and I was like, okay, so I don't know what's next. So, and then after hearing back about the job and kind of being denied on that, I was like, okay, so I need to pick myself up, you know, by the bootstraps and kind of keep it going. And so um, I had started applying to more jobs, started looking into more jobs. And I, like I stated previously, I'm somebody who I like to be organized. Yes. I developed this like Google Excel sheet that has, it's like a running list of every job I've applied to um, prior to my graduation, but also like after my graduation. And so I think it was like starting from like November till maybe like June, there is like a list of 80 jobs, 80 jobs I applied to and I have them color coded all 80 jobs were in red for no for no it literally and i would kind of go through and like after every letter and i ha still have like a file on my phone or in my um in my uh, just like in my email catalog and it just says rejection letters and it's so like i found myself kind of like going back and reading through them and i was just sitting there and i'm like this is not i'm like this has never happened like 
I don't know. You know, it wasn't one of those moments where I was like, no, like I'm one of those spoiled kids where like, no, no, no. Like, I don't like, I don't want to hear no. It was just one of those things that was like, I've done everything I've needed to do. I've worked twice as hard as my classmates. I literally have stayed up. I have done the work. I have put my best foot forward and it's not enough. And I think that was what kept like just turning over in my head was, but it's not enough, but it's not enough, but it's not enough. And like every letter I would just read it and without even reading the letter, I would my eyes would automatically scan for congratulations or we decided to go with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I would like opt out of seeing congratulations, my mind would immediately be like, not enough. And so eventually I kind of just got to the point where I honestly felt like I was just applying to jobs. Um, and like, I remember everyone just kind of telling me like, hey, you know, just like apply to anything. Like, it doesn't really matter. And I'm telling them like, okay, I get that, you know, I really do, and I really understand that, but I don't want just anything. Right. Not it's like, I know my worth, you know, it, you know, and it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, like, I honestly, and I'm thankful, I'm, I'm grateful to be that I was in that, that I was in that position to be able to say that I know my worth, and, you know, I know that I am not just going to go and get any type of job, because I know that there are some people who are not, you know, you know, who are not as blessed or who are not as privileged to be able to say that, you know, I'm just going to kind of keep holding my, you know, I'm just going to keep waiting. Like, you know, like I'll just kind of bask in the wave and just let everything happen how it's supposed to happen. And that's kind of what I did, but I also took measures into my own hand and I'll kind of get into that a little bit also, but, you know, I just kind of sat there and I was like, okay, no, like I know that something better is coming from what's being given to me yeah Um, so out of those 80 rejections it was just waiting on somebody to finally say yes for me to be like okay so I can do this so Mm -hmm. it's not me like maybe it was just them not needing me in that moment but also learning that like God's rejection is also God's protection and so Um, (laughs) hello because sometimes you don't know what you're walking into listen listen (laughs) listen and honestly I have the best like kind of story for that also is that one of the jobs I applied for um and I was like super gung-ho about it because it kind of like intersected with all of my like wants and needs and so I was like okay this is great so I applied for it and kind of waited and had an interview and after that interview, I was like, wow, like, I really cannot wait, like, to get back to, you know, to hear back from this job. Like, I know that I'm going to get it. Um, and then something told me, something was like, go check their organization and social media. And I was like, you know, and I literally just, it kept running through my mind. And I was like, why would I go check their social media? And so I went and I checked, and this was actually during, not necessarily the highlight, but this was during, like, right around the time when the country was starting to stir or become just not, I wouldn't say the entire country, but when I would say white America was beginning to become a little bit more aware in regards to racial um, issues, um, but also racial injustices. So in regards to Ahmaud Aubrey and George Floyd, um, I remember I remember applying to this job, and I'll be frank, it was with um, S.C. Johnson. And okay. so I applied to them, had a great interview, like, they told me, oh, like you're a nine out of 10 candidate. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. That's great. And so then after the interview, I was like, you know what? Let me just go check their social media to see, because, you know, everybody had posted their little black squares, um, but also people were like releasing their statements. And it was so interesting because Essie Johnson had not posted anything, mm-hmm. nothing about Black Lives Matter, nothing about LGBTQ plus issues, nothing about trans rights issues. And so for me, as somebody who lives at the intersection of being Black and queer, it was it was extremely eye-opening for me to know that if an organization is not being upfront about how they see these societal issues, how do you think they're going to feel about somebody who lives at the intersection working within their organization? And so I thought I took that moment for me being like, okay, God, if you want me to be with them, I'll make it work. I'll make it work. But I also know that if you want to protect me by letting them call me back and saying we went with somebody else, 
I'll gladly say, no, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. Y'all have a good day. <laughs> like, y'all have a good day. Um, and so then it was also just a little bit more research into them and realizing that, like, they had a couple of, like, instances or issues in regards to, you know, some of their, like, previous Black employees. And also realizing that, you know, this isn't something that's major, but for me, it kind of is, is being the sole Black individual on that team that I'd be working on. And it's like, okay, I've been in that position before. It's taxing. And it's like, you don't have time to be teaching your coworkers about how to be an ally, how to speak up against racial issues and whatnot when you're still trying to do your nine to five job. And so I was like, you know what, God, like, I really think that was you protecting me. And so I I don't hold any grudges with God about that one. <laughs> now, maybe some of those other 79, I'm like, when I get up there one day, we're going to have to talk. <laughs> like, you kind of put me through it for a little minute, but I'm going to show grace. <laughs> like, just let me highlight you real quick. Can you just tell me why? Right. Like, like God, like, really, like, God, come outside. Like, me and my homegirls really are not going to jump you, but we're really going to put something on you. Come <laughs> Cause you, honestly, because you did us dirty. Like, you did me and my homegirls dirty by not giving us jobs. <laughs> so. <laughs> that is, oh my gosh, so relatable. But he did save you with that one. And he may have saved you from uh, some of the other ones, too, that, you know, you may not know here or at this time. So, we'll see. But still proud of you because you got a job. Thank you, Lord. So, next question I love how you spoke about comparison in your article and with social media being such a major component of our lives, it is very hard for us to separate our virtual selves or our curated selves with these images that we post on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook, LinkedIn, you know, all of these social media outlets, we can start to compare our real lives with other people's curated lives. So how can we practice not comparing our life to other people's lives or what we see of other people's lives? Ooh, see, and that's hard. Cause I know, see, I'm one of those people where like, I'll have these like great like phrases and great things. And I'm like, oh, you know what? Like I need to write that because this is so true. But then I'm also telling myself like, you write for everybody but yourself. Like you need to take in, like you need to take into account what you write for. So, I mean, you sit here telling folks like, "Hey, like comparisons a thief of joy," but yet you sitting on Instagram being like, "Dang, I really wish I was them." Like they are really killing it right now, and it's like, "Dang, their LinkedIn is really popping right now." Like I really wish I was like them on LinkedIn. So, I think for me, something that I've had to learn, um, and this has been over the course of like years, because. You know, I'm one of those people where I'm I'm extremely transparent about like my mental health journey and like how I've struggled, especially with like depression and anxiety. Um, but I think for me, in terms of how I cope, is that sometimes I have to just shut my social media off completely. Where I will log myself out, delete the apps, um, but I'll also tell my friends to kind of like we'll hold each other accountable. So if I so like if I so like for example, my best friend, um, like with him, like. I'll call him and say like, hey, like, you know, I'm mentally, I'm just feeling real hazy, like not really sure what it is. And I'm like, I just think I really need to just kind of distance myself from social media and just really, you know, just really a lot of things. And he's really quick to be like, okay, well, let's just take a social media hiatus. And I'm like, yeah, you know, he's like, okay, let's do it. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, no, let's just do it. (laughs) We don't have to talk about it. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, we're going to talk about it. Let's just do it. And I'm like, okay, perfect. So I think, you know, going on a social media hiatus is, you know, one thing. But I think also, and I don't see that it's coming from a place of malice, but I think it's coming from a place of understanding that it's doing what's best for you is on following anybody who makes you feel as though you yourself are incapable of, you know, just feeling any type of worth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know for me, like, I love, love, love following, um, you know, all of these different, like, celebrities, these different activists, um, these different, like, communication professionals, like, who we hear about and see about. And I'm thinking to myself, like, wow, like, you know, this is great. Like, I just really love the content that they're putting out. But I also sometimes feel myself 
kind of comparing my life and comparing my experiences and comparing my journey. And I'm telling myself, you were in two completely different races. Yeah. Like, and this is and this is coming from somebody who ran track like in college. And so I'm telling myself, like, you know, you, you know, like you're running, you know, like my for example, I'm like, you're running a 400, they're running a 200. Like their journey is swift. Your journey, you got a whole nother 200 meters to go. Like, just keep living, you know, keep living. And so I think that's something for me that I've had to learn is that I personally cannot allow myself to deplete who I am or who I want to become based off of what I'm only getting maybe 10 seconds of on social media because it, because we know it everybody and I know that some people might argue like no like what I put on social media is extremely you know transparent it's authentic and I for one have tried to do that as well like you know, something I love to do is just write these sticky notes. And then on those sticky notes, I'll have these long like descriptions about these sticky notes about what I'm talking about. So one thing that a uh, one phrase or quote that I always go back to um, is that sometimes rejection is also protection. And so, you know, when that's just something that I have to look at and I have to tell myself like, okay, like sometimes you might be rejected in a sense, but as I said earlier, that could be a bigger form or a bigger aspect of some type of universal energy protecting you, you know, mm -hmm. like whether somebody's religious, they don't really want to say that they believe in like God or any other type of, um, you know, like religious affiliation, but just looking at it in a sense that there is something out there protecting you from something that could either deter you or harm you in some type of capacity. And so, I think really for me, it's really, it has really just been understanding that like with social media, everybody puts on the front. Like, I don't everybody. care who you are, like in my mind and don't get me wrong. I love, love, love me some Shonda Rhimes. Like I live, I live by Shonda. <laughs> like Scandal, Scandal and Olivia Pope are by far my like go-to. Like if I ever feel myself being like, you know what? Like, I'm just really not feeling myself. Like I really compared myself. I go back to these like Olivia Pope quotes that I have like on sticky notes in my bathroom mirror. And I'm like, no, like you've already done it. Like, you know, like, like there's no, you know what I'm saying? Like there's no point in trying to compare your journey to somebody else's. And so, you know, and I think about it is I think that like in Shonda Rhimes' book, A Year of Yes, like even with her, she even states that, you know, she's had to unplug from social media, but she's also had to remind herself that you know, you are completely different than your friends and you're completely different than your family. You're completely different than some random individual you saw um, who posted on LinkedIn and they got like 3000 likes. And you're like, wow, like, I really wish that could have been me. But also at the same time, you don't know what it took for that individual to get to the point that they are. Like yeah. that person could have been denied from 80 plus <laughs> jobs just like you. And they probably will never talk about it. But yet here you are being as authentic as you can because you know that your story and your journey can possibly help somebody else. And so I think with social media, like, you know, it's extremely great to post these like awesome portrait pictures. And don't get me wrong, I love a good portrait picture. I try to take all my friends' portrait pictures <laughs> of But I also understand that sometimes it's okay to show the side of you that you typically don't want to put up in front of everybody else because sometimes your story alone can be resonating with somebody else, even when they themselves don't really want to go out and be public about it. Um, so that's really my biggest take on social media. Again, I love it. I mean, we're both communication professionals, you know, aspiring to get into this field. We both have comm degrees, but we also know that like with social media, like we have to use it for work, but also understand it's stressful. <laughs> like, it's stressful. Like even with the news, that's something that I have to tell myself, like turn off your notifications. That's yeah. something also I turn off my notifications. Like my notifications for social media are not on my phone. I did that too. And it, I did that too. It's so good. It is. It's I did so, it like a week ago. I was like, so I felt good. so much anxiety and I was yeah. like, let's just, let's just cut these off. And ever since it's like, oh. cut, honestly, cut them off because I think and you stated it in one of your previous podcasts, but I remember reading it also in a book where it's talking about Black trauma 
and how we continue to, you know, just re-experience it all over again. And I really felt myself, like, I felt like my chest was just tightening every time I got a new news alert. Because it seemed, because it always seemed to be about, um, you know, an African-American person being killed. And it was just kind of one of those things that I was like, okay, I'm already dealing with the stress of, you know, not being where I want to be, but I'm also dealing with the experience of being black in America and seeing that my brothers and sisters um, and that my, and, you know, and just that my black siblings altogether continue to be killed. And so it's just something that like, I told myself in terms of a with social media, in terms of trying for notifications, you don't really need to be on there, but also really just tracking like how much time am I spending on social media? Like what could I be doing to better suit my time? Um, and also just turning off your notifications in general, because Lord knows I cannot keep doing the news. I couldn't keep doing, I just couldn't do, I couldn't do anything. I was like, this is too much. This is way too much. It, it was a lot. And I have gotten to a point where it's like, I want to watch the news to stay informed about what's going on. But at the same time, it's like, it's like you have to choose your battles because it's like, either you're going to stay informed or stay stressed or you limit the time that you are intaking all of this information and you still get informed, but you are easing your anxiety at the same time because with COVID, with Black Lives Matter, with trans issues, it was just a lot. It was a lot. And I'm like, having my eyes stuck on the TV, watching the news for hours and hours on end. And my brain is just like melting because I'm like, when does this end? When is this going to end? And it was, and honestly, it feel, honestly, it's one of those things where it's like, you're telling yourself like, okay, like there has to be some type of end in sight because there can, I, I mean, this, I mean, this just cannot be life for the rest of our time on this earth. Um, but it was, just, it was also one of those things that you made a good note of it is just like, just sitting at the, you know, just like looking at your television screen and just watching everything. And I identify as in, uh, as an empath. So like, I feel Same. everything. I, Same. I, feel, <laughs> I feel everything. Like, I don't know what it is about me, but like the slightest thing. And I'm like, am I crying? Are we <laughs> Are we going, oh, might as well. I'm like, I might cry. I might not. I don't know. Like, what? Like, what's the point? So, you know, just seeing everything on the news and then just like, you know, reading about people at these protests who are being injured. And, you know, it's just, there's just so many things that I just felt like, I literally just felt like I was crippling. Mm -hmm. And it finally took me just like having a nice, like, little breakdown in my truck the other day, or not the other day, a little while back um at like a at like a stoplight I think and I like sat there and I was like this cannot be it like this cannot be it like this cannot be it for me as a whole like I'm back like I'm back in my hometown I grew up in and I remember telling myself I have it in my journal still that I was like when I get older like I won't come back. You know, just one of those things that you're as a kid, you're like, you know, like, I'm going to go see the world. I'm going to travel. I'm going to be something. And it's just like, but I'm here still. And it's just like, this, no, no. Like, what, you know, like, what happened to the little kid who dreamed big? Like, you know, like the kid who was not afraid to reach for the moon. Like, you know, we're reaching past the stars because there's footprints on the moon. So it's mm -hmm. like, you know, just like what happened to that little kid? And so I think for me, it really you know, it just finally took me to being like, okay, okay, like, God, you got it. <laughs> like, I thought I had it. I, I don't know. <laughs> I thought I had it. <laughs> and then you humbled me, and then you kept humbling me. Yeah. <laughs> Same. Oh my gosh. I, our stories. <laughs> and you just inspired me when you were talking about, um, being transparent on social media and posting things that aren't necessarily like, I don't want to say Instagram worthy, but you know, like. No, 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 no. Like, no, like that's definitely it though. Like yeah. that's definitely like Instagram. Like I literally will tell my friends, I'm like, you know, is this Instagram worthy? Like, is this it? Like, is this yeah. something I should post? Like, is this something that will get me likes? Like, what is it? Like, I'm literally, I feel like I'm an influence, like I'm a mini influencer in my head because I'm like, pre-planning content like, oh, like if I go here 
like maybe I could take a photo like this and they'll get me this amount of likes, this amount of engagement. And I'm like, sir, who do you think you are? Like humble yourself. I'm like, humble yourself. Like you are not making moves. Like you are not making money off of Instagram. You need to humble yourself. So right. Like Honestly, I literally, I literally think of the video and like anytime I t- I'm like telling myself like, okay, like maybe I should really like, like kind of start pre-planning some content. I think of the video of like Miss Minnie and Miss Juicy from Little Women Atlanta and they're looking at each other like, what the hell we going to do? <laughs> <laughs> like, what you going to do? No, that's not it. <laughs> so that's honestly yes instagram worthy content that's what plays in my mind too so you are not alone when you say okay okay i'm glad i'm not alone and i just i you inspire me because i am going to i actually have i'm looking at my mirror right now and i have like post-its down each side but there is one my mirror not my mirror my window is over here and there's like one literally just by itself over there so i'm gonna post that one on tuesday when this podcast airs because I just feel like it's so, and I'm not going to tell you what it says, okay. but I'm going to post it on Tuesday and I'm going to tag you uh, because it has just like explained my entire experience with COVID, with the rejection, with depression this year, because I have been depressed this year. And that was kind of why I stopped posting podcasts because I'm like, I'm not in the headspace to talk about anything, to try to help anyone when I can't even help myself right now. So while I was trying to get out of that, something told me what is on this sticky note and so whether you say the universe god you know i say god and i was like okay like i heard it i was like okay and i wrote it down and i stuck it to the wall and i have been like using it every day since so you inspired me with that so i'm gonna post that on tuesday when this (laughs) so thank you for that um question the next question so in the article we kind of easing into what we were just talking about so in the article you mentioned that your mental health began to suffer due to the pressure that you placed on yourself and that happens with so many of us so how have you worked on taking some of that pressure off of your shoulders oh yes so i know so initially and very similar to you i know in the sense when you say you stopped making podcasts for me, I felt like I stopped living per se. Like I felt, I honestly felt like I was just existing because A, we were in quarantine. So Mm -hmm. I couldn't go anywhere. And like, for me, my safe space is going to the movie theaters. I love taking my, I love taking my, you too. (laughs) I love taking myself. Right. We're moving. We're moving. I love taking myself out on like these little like small just like self dates like these are my like these are my moments where I just decompress like I'll go to the movies by myself I'll go to dinner like that's one thing I can say I thank God my mom taught me is that like treat yourself like you yes. like you can, honestly you can like you cannot like you cannot treat anybody else if you can't like if you can't learn to treat yourself and so. For me, like going to the movies, going to dinner, that was just something that I was like, okay, like this is how I decompress. And so with quarantine, and when the AMC was like, yeah, we're shutting down, I was like, I know you lied. <laughs> I was like, I know you lied. So what am I supposed to do? Because y'all my safe space and clearly your boy's pretty riled up right now. So yes. where am I supposed to go to watch some movies? Just kick back and relax for like two to three hours max. Um, but, you know, like I stated earlier as well, like, I'm a runner. Like, I ran track all throughout elementary, middle, high school, and college. And so, for me, running has all, I would say running and working out in general has just always been a very nice outlet. And so, it took me actually falling out of love with my passion for running and just exercising in general for me to kind of learned that like, okay, so you need to have more than one safe space slash outlet to in order to really just kind of like center yourself. And so I would say for me in terms of like how I've been centering myself with my mental health is that, you know, I've been running a lot more. Um, I've always loved writing in my journal um, ever since I was like middle school. It's just something I've always kept. It's just been, it's been extremely just like helpful for me, like mentally and emotionally, um, just like when I've been dealing with things. 
but I think also now more than ever and now that like it's been hard so like you can't really see your friends you can't really travel for me it's just really been writing in there like okay so today just wasn't that type of day but tomorrow is going to be better and it's like I don't know if it will be better but I know that I'm going to put my best foot forward in terms of trying to make it the best day and so um you know really exercising like I said really just writing in my journal um you know and I, I'm very transparent about it but I'm somebody you know I, I kind of I kind of stumble a little bit with my faith um just because again like I live at that intersection of being you know gay and black and so for me it's you know it's hard to really kind of put my best foot forward you know and try to pursue a relationship with Christ or try to try to pursue religion when I know that religion has been used against me time and time again um, you know, for me, I went to a private Christian college in undergrad. And so that was some, you know, it was extremely forceful in terms of like our beliefs, our, what, what we were restricted to do. We had mandatory chapel. And so that really also kind of played a part into how my relationship with religion has kind of suffered a little bit. But I also don't like to say that I have religion. I more so like to say that I have a relationship with Christ. Like, I, tr- I truly like to say he is truly my homeboy. Like if he, yes. if he was a person and I feel like sometimes I just talk to him, like even when nobody's around, I'm like, I'm like, okay, listen. So here's the tea. Like this is what's really going on with me. I'm trying to function. I'm trying to really get things going. And I honestly feel like he just talks back. Even when if I don't hear anything, I'm just talking. And I'm like, okay, well, that was a great conversation between the both of us. We had a great <laughs> chat and that was it. And so I really said like my like having that relationship with Christ and just like having him as like my homeboy or you know just how, or really just how or just however anybody really wants to see God because I know that sometimes like God can be seen to people in different types of ways and so mm-hmm. I know for me it's really just seeing him as you know you know rather than this individual of like higher just really like just speaking to somebody just really mm-hmm. just speaking to somebody as if they're right in front of you or they're like riding your level and you're just like, yeah, you know, like, so this is life right now. Like, this is what's really going on with me. And like, I don't really know what's going on, but you pretty much know what's going on. You see everything. So, so when is this, you know, so when is the, you know, so when is there going to be light at the end of this tunnel since you know everything? So, you know, it's, it's, it's just funny to kind of like, as I said, have that relationship, but I don't know, just really also, oh, and reading. Yes. I love to read. I love a good book. I love a good autobiography. I actually just finished the autobiography um, by Michael Brown's mom. um, And it was phenomenal. Um, What was the name of it? Oh, let me check real quick. I like, I have it on my, like, I have it as an Instagram, like, story thing. I love to read, I love to read books in regards to, like, race relations, social justice issues, but also books that just kind of talk about like being the best version of yourself. Mm -hmm. And one of the books that I finished shortly before that book was More Than Enough by Elaine. And we talked about that on the last podcast episode too. (laughs) I have it like behind me. And it was so good. Oh my listen, I I thrived. I truly did. So her so Michael Brown's mom book was called Tell the Truth and Shame the Devil, The Life, Legacy, and Love of My Son, Michael Brown. Okay, I'm writing that down because I want to read it too. And it was phenomenal. But I will also say I read another book like right after I got done reading that one. It was called Dear Martin by Nick Stone. If you love the hate you give, you would really love this one. Okay. Okay. It's so good. Um, Down to Honestly, I have book recommendations for days. I like, <laughs> I love so I can look at your story and find all of your book recommendations. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, but honestly, I will say those are things that have really just kind of like helped me get through like rough parts within my mental health and just kind of like rough parts, like even within my own self, because I know sometimes I'm, I, I am my worst critic. Like yeah. I am the person who will beat me down the worst. And I'm telling, and I'm like, my mom will tell me all the time. My mom and dad will. They're like, nobody else thinks that. And I'm like, yes, they do. I'm like, yes, they do. And my mom's like, it's just you. And I'm like, well, that's the worst person to say it to. You know, like, I'm the worst I'm person. Saying. So, you know, so it's like you're having this, like, 
internal struggle, but you're also having this external struggle where you're trying to be your best version of yourself, but you're just kind of like, you're just having a hard time trying to make sure like, okay, am I putting on a face for everybody? Am I making it seem like I got everything handled like Olivia Pope would, right. when in fact, everything's up in flames, you know, and it's just like, what is going on? <laughs> so those, I would say those things are definitely how I've been able to kind of really help my own mental health and kind of kind of coast throughout my mental health journey. It's, it's honestly it's one of those things where I'm still learning and I'm still rocking with it, but I think those are things that have really helped me the most. It's a process and we pretty much have the same thoughts because I have had to, with the movies being closed and I was just, I actually was riding to um, the bookstore yesterday with my mom to get the, I had to get the new copy of Vanity Fair with Viola Davis on the cover. So I was like, while we were on our way out there, I was just like, I really miss the movies. <laughs> and she was like, well, I'm good. I'm like, I know you're good, but I like going to the movies by myself. <laughs> like, I will go in the middle of the day. I would go in between classes when I was in college and getting mm-hmm. my master's. I would just be like, okay, I'm leaving campus. I'm going to catch this movie. It's like an hour and 30 minutes. I'll be back by five right. o'clock. Because it was just like my safe space. You know, you're by yourself. You don't have to worry about anyone talking to you. You can work out your thoughts. You can be distracted and not worry about the world outside while you're watching this movie. It's like you enter into a whole new landscape. So I was telling her yesterday, I was like, I really miss the movies. Like I said, I'm okay with everything else being closed, but the movies, because- But not the movies. Not you. Not you, not you. It's not the same as watching it like at home, you know? It's not. Honestly, it's not. It's like you're paying for the experience. Like that's why movies are so high. I, I. Honestly, like, I am a strong advocate for being like, okay, movies should not be high, but also you're paying for the experience. Like, you're paying for that solitude. Mm-hmm. So, like, you're, you know, you're paying for that solitude. But yeah. I think, honestly, you made a good point about just really, like, taking, like, just taking as much time as you need at the movie theaters. I know when I was younger, I used to, like, when I first got my license, I used to be like, okay, well, I'm going to time all my movies just right. I'm going to be here from this time to this time. And I'm going to go see three movies in one day. I'm just going to walk around the movie theaters. And honestly, I really feel like people at AMC, they would see me. And I was like maybe six. I was like 16. So they would see me and they would just be like, don't worry about it. Just leave me alone. And I'm thinking to myself like, if you see me, I see you. So don't worry about it. I'm good. You good let's just both live our lives like you do your job i'm gonna go watch another movie okay <laughs> but, I'm, but i'm also gonna come back and get a refill on this slushie <laughs> on my way out the door i'm like all right let me just refill this up before i get the car i didn't pay for it i might as well <laughs> right i don't pay seven dollars for a cup like this i'm gonna get a refill but i will say i honestly this is probably one of the craziest things i think i've ever done so I, I kept, I had kept my cup and I had like cleaned it out when I was back in college. Cause it was one of those like plastic cups. Mm-hmm. And so one of my homegirls, she was like, Oh, like we can all go to the movies. And typically I was one of those people where I was like, I'm going to go to the movies. I don't know what y'all are going to do. <laughs> but then I was thinking, and I was like, you know what? I'm thinking, so she carries a rather large purse. I could put my cup in this purse. So Honestly, we, it was so crazy because, and like within her purse and with our other friend's purse, we had, I think we had like some hot Cheetos. Um, one of my other friends, she went to Taco Bell. Me and the other friend had like hot wings and pizza. And I like pulled out the cup to go like fill it to get the icy. And I'm just sitting there thinking like, honestly, we have some scammers and I'm not mad about this. I'm like, we are a very like good, like close-knit group of friends. I'm like, we're just busting in with tacos, pizza, hot wings, hot Cheetos. So. You have not lived if you have not snuck food into the computer. Like, you have oh, lived. scamming the system. Listen, this is, <laughs> honestly, we thinking about it. The system has scammed us, so we're just really getting back what we are doing. Hello. <laughs> Okay. No, we might not get our 40 acres in a meal. We're going to get our free icy. <laughs> Everything counts. 
every day. <laughs> okay. So the next question you said, um, we were talking about, so in your article, you talked about how you had received all these rejection letters. So the 80, the 80 different no's in your Excel sheet. So when you start getting so many no's, it can be easy for us to, and you kind of touched on this earlier too. Um, it can be kind of hard for us to separate that no from who we are as people so when we hear no we think what's wrong with me like what did i do wrong so how can listeners and me too because i want to know too how can we separate that rejection from our worth as a person all right i had to cut the episode there because i told you all that we talked about a lot and i didn't want to just lay everything on you guys at one time so part two is coming up thursday this thursday i want it to still be fresh on your mind and on your hearts so you don't have to wait until next week just two days just bear with me thursday at 9 a.m you can continue this episode and listen to part two um don't forget to share this with your friends your family your colleagues whoever you feel like may need to receive the things that cecil and i were talking about during this episode and don't forget to stay black and carefree and we'll see you guys tuesday not that long right it's not that long we'll see you guys tuesday (laughs) bye guys